Anything is Potable is brought to you by the Game Time app. If you've been tuning in for over the last couple months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. The coolest thing about the Game Time app is that it reads uh, many different sellers all at the same time and will give you up to 60% off. Uh, so if you're really going to the game and you want to wait to that last minute, uh, to get those tickets. I know many of you out there are very good at waiting to the last minute uh, in, before buying something. That's currently something I'm doing with Christmas presents right now. If you're that kind of last minute type thinker and you just want to go to the game, use the Game Time app. And right now they are hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what you do. You download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store, click on the My Ticket section of the app, Create an account, and under the billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. That's all one word. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code and expires at the end of the year. So this is your time to go and get those tickets. Be impulsive. Buy, buy, buy. That's the Game Time app presenting Anything is Potable. You are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause. Welcome to Anything is Potable. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, and my favorite basketball squadron is the Boston Celtics. We are joined today by a very special guest from the Athletic Podcast Network, the host of Nerder She Wrote, one of the basketball buds, one of the hosts of the Daily Ding. I believe you host uh, the Portland Trailblazers show on the network. It's the great Dave Dufour. How are you doing, Dave? I, I don't know if I'm the great. I'm, I'm the okay Dave Dufour. Well, the That's, modest Dave Dufour. Uh, well, I'm definitely not that. Well, just, the, the, comp, the nuanced Dave Dufour. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, modesty is for suckers, man. Oh, no. you got If you're good at something, you got to be confident about it. Or else, sure. How are else yeah. going to people know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm great. I'm great. Dave is great. He has a lot of good takes, but um, if I'm, we're going to be honest to the listening public uh, for a while at points during our dark, dark times last year, uh, Dave came at the throne. Uh, and as a founding member of the Church of Brad Stevens, uh, I did not appreciate the, the moniker you gave him, Basic <laughs> Brad. Um, and now we've talked about this a bunch. Uh, yeah. It largely came down to uh, him not running high pick and roll with Kyrie Irving, which was a fair criticism. But um, I guess I w- the, the question remains is, what do you think about Basic Brad and his kind of like adjustments this year? Well, I think, I think he's doing a much better job this year. Plain and simple. Uh, the team right now is fourth in net rating. They're ahead of the Clippers. They're ahead of the Raptors, the Sixers. Um, I, I think that the results are undeniable. And that's the important thing, right? We can talk about process all day. That's what Brad and does love to do. He, I know. he actually will shoot a shoe uh, results and results say we need to focus process. on process. The, the truth is it is a results business, though. And his process was kind of poor, I think, because he was he was unwilling to change. That offense was a little bit too egalitarian. I mean, when you've got a guy like Kyrie Irving, I think sometimes, you know, you don't have to go full James Harden in Houston, but sometimes you do have to do that. And they would just reserve it a lot for crunch time and I, I thought that they could have avoided a lot of crunch time situations um I still don't think they get to the line enough that's still that's still a concern I mean a hallmark of a good offense 
I think is actually getting free throws. Um, not necessarily, once again, God, Houston's such an aberration as far as like aesthetics go. Uh, you don't necessarily have to go to the free throw line, you know, have your lead guard go to the free throw line 15 times a game. But, you know, six or seven would be nice. And and with Kyrie, you know, he kind of avoided contact. So he wasn't doing you any favors either. But uh, I, I think I, I really like how his offense looks when he has multiple playmakers. You know, Gordon Hayward being healthy, I think, is big. And and maybe we would have seen this last year if he had been if he had been 100 um, percent. But, yeah, I think he's doing a much better job. And, and the man knows how to coach defense like it. it oh, that yeah. is undeniable. So. Um, I never said he was a bad coach. I just said that a lot of his offense was basic and, and he would get credit for these. You know, he still does these ATOs and, and baseline out of bounds. And they're great. Like he is really good at saying, well, this is my personnel. This is the situation. Let's go with this play. But what he's running is, you know, it's old. It's 40 year old basketball plays. I mean, he brought flex back to the NBA smart move and it works. But, you know, the. He's not some kind of uh, basketball savant. So is he basically running the same kind of offense this year and it just happens to be working better with Kemba in place and not having Al Horford? Like, they have, they run in, it feels like, a lot more pick and rolls this year and just actual having their big men roll to the rim. It's not something that Horford did right. last year. And it feels like it's created kind of more space uh, for players, for, like, this very strong wing players on the drives. I'm just curious about, like, what you've noticed has the fundamental offense uh, changed that much, or is it just a uh, kind of better execution with different guys? I think the bones are similar um, as far as the offense goes. I mean, it's essentially the same system. It's still but, motion offense passing, making the right right, reads. right. But but having guys actually like step up into heavier playmaking roles. I mean, Jalen Brown has has been, I think, great as a secondary or tertiary creator. Um, and again, Gordon Hayward. So maybe I was being unfair because, you know, he had Gordon Hayward out there and he wasn't healthy. Um, but again, my, my job is I got to talk about the results. Pro- process does matter to a certain degree, but at the end of the day, the results are the important thing. So uh, I, I, I think that you're onto something with having bigs that are rolling to the basket, putting pressure on the rim protection, opening up stuff on the wing so that guys can attack. You know, uh, when they catch that pass or the kick out. So that's helping too. you know, maybe in a, to a certain degree, Al was holding them back. On, yeah, on it's crazy. It's crazy to say, but they with Al, he's like because he stretches the floor that made them play a lot more five out. And when you ha- are playing five out, there's just no pressure on the rim. Right. And so I think it's been helpful for those minutes to like when time lord is playing like he's a lob threat every single time tice is less so but he's been doing a a pretty decent job um and Cantor, he doesn't necessarily put the like the great pick and roll pressure on the rim but in terms of that's where he hangs out in terms of like offensive rebounding and spacing uh i think he's just made it easier for drives um i agree with you i don't think the offense has changed that dramatically i think it's a combination of better chemistry like obviously Kyrie was great and they probably should have ran more stuff for him, um, but they kind of tried to create this egalitarian world, and then basically everything revolved around like Kyrie, and he did a lot of uh, pounding the ball into the ground. And like you can understand where if the team is preaching like make the right read, and then you're Jason Tatum or Marcus Morris in the corner or whoever was upset last year watching the ball, it can be frustrating. It was everybody. 
it was everybody. And so okay. it's like, you can't really blame one person. It was just like too many people and we're supposed to be egalitarian. It's just not working. But I think like the largest change from this year to last year, is just feels like uh, Tatum and Brown are just so much better than they were uh, a year before. And I don't know if they were deferring uh, to Kyrie. Um, at least Jalen Brown, he struggled early and got much better as the season went on last year. But it seems like both of them, I would say more so Jalen, it feels more noticeable in terms of like a, a leap he's made because it's just some of the observable skills in terms of putting the ball on the floor, uh, getting to the getting to the rim with his left hand or just things he's much better at. But it just feels like those two guys uh, are pretty much they're going to take the team as far as it can go. And it's them being better uh, that feel as like the, the biggest reason for improvement. It's like we can talk about Brad Stevens all you want, but it's like eventually it's the players on the court being talented. Right. And so this is the where this all started is because someone said that they would take Brad Stevens over Giannis. That was the, that was a, it's a classic right. internet poll, uh, right? It's Which hilarious. everyone knows is dumb as hell, right? Everybody knows that's stupid. Coaches can only do so much. I, like I'm of the opinion, so a bad coach can take a mediocre team and make them make them worse, right? But a bad coach coaching a bad team is just going to be awful. Okay. A bad or coach could he take could a coach good them team. to 40 and 42 and make the eight seed and they could get swept by the Cavs. That's yes. what Brad Stevens will do. <laughs> right. So a good coach, Brad Stevens is a good coach. Like I, I actually think he's he he should be in any coach of the year conversation. He should be in the top five this year. He's been really, really good. Um, and I never said he was a bad coach. I just didn't think he was the best coach in the league. I mean, it's just, you know, plain and simple. And I think that fluctuates season by season and even month by month. And Sometimes. it's also kind of largely dependent on how the players perform. It is the result. Absolutely. Like, yeah. And I watch a lot of stuff on the margins, how you're using your timeout, what your substitutions look like, how consistent you are with your rotations. I, now, But I pay more attention to that stuff than the average person. Um, with that being said, Brad does a good job at all that stuff. And like I, like I also said, he's great about knowing time and score and personnel. And th- that's huge for a coach. And he's been, he's been demonstrating that. Quite, quite well this year. But no coach is worth Giannis. Not a single coach in the league. None. Because the fastest horses win the race. A, yeah. a, a mediocre coach, if you just have an average coach and you had him coaching the Golden State Warriors that won 73 games, they're going to win probably 67, 68 games. Steve Kerr was, was good for the extra four. But they're still going to be the, the coaches best team. would. I assume most of the coaches would acknowledge this. It's just weird how it's like there's this. I'm saying it's weird that there's worship of like certain coaches, but then I, as soon as I said that, I was like, Sam, you've been the biggest driver of like the worship Brad Stevens. You literally said you were in a church of Brad Stevens earlier. And so um, I'm realizing the uh, blatant hypocrisy uh, in what I'm saying um, and realizing I'm part of the problem. But. Um, I feel like I come from the irrational. I have to. I I acknowledge my irrational fan perspective when I can, and this yeah. is one of those times. <laughs> you know, it's there is. It's like it's human nature. I think it's the call to authority type thing. We all want the the strong general. That's why we yeah, have yeah that guy. President. That's the guy you want to follow. Right. Want to believe and, in someone. Right. And I think that that just makes sense. Um, like to our brains, it's just wrong when it comes to basketball. I think a football coach is much more important to the success of his team than a basketball coach. Basketball coach, you're, you know, you want a good manager, yeah. guy that can manage personalities, 
manage the game, you know, knows, knows when to, like I said, time and score and personnel. You don't, you don't have to have, you know, not everyone has to be Greg Popovich. You know, there have been other guys that win a title that are not as good of a coach as Greg Popovich. Yeah. That's where, that's where I'm at. Guys, we talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. We're talking here about mental fitness. That's where we go to Calm, the number one app for sleep meditation has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. There's so many studies coming out about how sleep is so important uh, to NBA players and just to physical health and mental health. And so an app like Calm can certainly help you out. And so if you go to calm.com, wow, that's hard to say, calm.com slash Celtics, you can get 40% off a premium membership. And so for a limited time, again, you can be just like LeBron James and using Calm, and you can get that 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash Celtics. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash Celtics. That's calm.com slash Celtics. That's fair. All right, so let's talk about the guys who do matter. Um, The Celtics are playing quite well right now, kind of exceeding, uh, I think, what the general expectations were for them. It feels like their offense is quite is doing well. As you mentioned, uh, they're doing great in net rating. The offense is not really the surprising part. because they have so many playmakers, uh, Kemba, Hayward, uh, all of the guys, I think the most surprising thing is how their defense is surviving and even like thriving in a world without um, Al Horford and Aaron Baines. And so the thing that I think Steven deserves credit for and uh, kind of he def- very much feels like his strength is being a defensive coach is being able to come up with a defense that no longer has that traditional rim protector. And we've seen the, the Celtics kind of style defensively completely change in which they're just trapping the hell out of the ball, doubling a lot more, scrambling back, playing with a lot more um, just kind of, I guess, fast and aggressive on the defensive end and kind of letting their speed handle what's going on. And it's been surprising to me kind of how well it's worked. And I was just curious about like, one, I guess, do you think it's sustainable I, and I guess what are your general impressions of how they've played on the defensive end? I mean, they've got great defensive playmaking. You know, like, I mean, Marcus Smart <laughs> is possibly the best defensive playmaker in the league. You know, he's yeah. constantly making things happen. Jalen Brown is a fantastic defensive playmaker. I think Tatum is getting there. I think he's going he's gonna to eventually be a guy that you can say, all right, we're not, maybe he's not going to shut you down, but, but he can play like that free safety, play some passing lanes, things like He's that. He's definitely taken a step this year in terms of like just he has some crazy long length and just yep. he's not the best like on-ball defender, but he's going to get in the passing lanes. He's good for about like two steals a game and like can start transition off that. He's definitely been making his presence more felt on the defensive end. Right. And so I think that that this is what smart coaches do. You coach to your strengths. So when you've got all this defensive playmaking or playmaking potential, You've got these great athletes. I mean, Robert Williams, you know, like you want to put them in a position to succeed and also good defense that that like playmaking defense like that turns into easy offense. So if you can get into transition, you're putting the the defense on his heels constantly, even if it turns into a half court set, 
you still have got you know elevated heart rates. You're you're they're working at a disadvantage, and so I think that that's the smart move. If you don't have elite rim protection that you can trust at all times, then it makes more sense to try to make the plays farther away from the basket. We we've seen this with Denver. Denver does this with Jokic. They actually have him blitz a lot, and that's when their defense is at its best. Now, the, I think the question is, it feels like that's it's successful and it's doing them well right now, but then the, the freshest thing in my memory is Joel Embiid coming in and just destroying them and the Celtics really not having an option, pretty much having to play Ennis Cantor by necessity because he was the only size um, that could really even slow down Embiid, and Embiid wasn't really... Uh, slowed down. He had one of his, probably the best game I've ever seen him have live. Um, And it's the question is, I think the Celtics are designed to have a a lot of regular season success. And I think they can play well um, pretty much against any team in the uh, Eastern Conference, except for the Sixers. And I think they would also really struggle with the Bucks and their size. And the question is, and I think it's a big question now that we're in kind of trade deadline season is, do the Celtics need to add just some sort of big body uh, to basically just for Embiid insurance? And the, like because the question it's we've described their style and when their defense is at their best, and just like adding a plotting big man, it it will get it will serve you against Embiid, but it basically takes you out of the style that has been gave, giving you success this entire year. And it's so the, it's like a really big question about do you want to add that person and then especially like what is it going to cost because they don't really have any tradable contracts other than Marcus Smart and trading Marcus Smart is an insane idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he is the best big man on the team pretty much. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting predicament because it's not something that matters for the regular season, but the, the playoffs are going to go through Philadelphia and Milwaukee, right? You know that you're going to have to beat at least one of those teams to make it to the finals. You would have to hope and like that. I think they actually have a better matchup against the Bucks than they do against the Sixers, just because the Sixers' size is ridiculous. You would have to hope that the Bucks take off, uh, take out the Sixers, and then you can play the Bucks. But it's like a lot of hoping for something right. you can't really control, and it's so it's it's weird to enter a playoffs knowing like, oh, if we catch this one team, we have no chance. Yeah, and, and so, but it's also tricky to make moves, you know, with, with just one team in mind. When, you know, you're like a fringe, fringe conference finals contender, right? Like like you said, I think this is a good regular season team. Playoffs might be a different story. And I don't like to make everything about the playoffs, but in this particular conversation, that's what we're talking about. Constantly focusing on results, Dave, not on the process. Well, you're not very Kaizen. Well, I'm thinking about the results of the regular season, right? Like it's a good thing to win 55 games. So, um, but yeah, I do think that that it is a concern. I mean, who can really guard Embiid besides Marcus All? So unless you're willing to get Marcus All, which I don't even think the money can work, um, that you know I don't know I don't know what's out there that you can actually do. So it, it could be a thing where you're waiting, keeping the powder dry, the the Danny Ainge special, and, and waiting till next year. Yeah, it, that's. I mean, still a young team. Do, it's still a young team. You got to like see whether Hayward um, opts in or out. But like, it really feels like this team is built upon uh, Tatum and Brown and seeing how good they can get and how like much they can carry forward. The thing that's interesting to me about the Celtics is that 
and, and this is something Brad Stevens has come out and said, and this is something that uh, Jay wrote about recently um, on The Athletic, where if you'd like to subscribe to The Athletic, uh, you can go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable. I, I give that plug, but I don't know if it benefits me directly, but I would assume so. But if you want to read Jay, go there. Uh, but the Celtics have five best players. Like, they're five clear best players, and Brad Stevens has named those five players. But because they're all so small, or not all of them, but they're they're not a lineup yet. They have not right. played... I actually wrote an article for Boston.com, self-plug, that I think should come out by the time uh, people are listening to this, about that kind of that five-man lineup of Kemba, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Tatum, and Hayward. They've only like been healthy for, I think, at all... At, the same time for four games this year. And they've only been in like that lineup's only been on the court for a total of five minutes this season. Yeah. And I think that is like, if you're going to clearly name your five best players, it feels like as a coach, as a, uh, as a manager, you have to at least experiment with putting those five guys on the court together and seeing what happens. And I think uh, with the kind of defense they play, um, there's a potential for like the the benefits on off like to be decent enough on defense right. that like the offensive benefits could just be like explosive. I don't like it would work against everybody who isn't Philly because Philly would just hammer you with Embiid. You can't you can't guard Embiid with Hayward or Tatum. I don't think um, he's not Porzingis. You can't guard him with Tice. So the thing is like their best offense or their best team in terms of defensive rating is Tice, but Tice is only six eight and he's like two forty. Uh, according to the official measurements, that's also Tatum's height and Hayward's height. Now they're like a little bit, they don't have those right. masses tight, like as tight, but they're not like, you're not really giving up much size, but the thing is like Embiid, obviously you can't guard him, but I feel like it's something that could work, uh, against pr- pretty much any other team in the league other than like Andre Drummond or I don't know, other very large man. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's at least an interesting thought. Um, I'm just not sure that, you know, like it's funny, like you worry about Embiid and Giannis in the East and that's really it for, for this team. If you're Boston, who guards Giannis and who guards Embiid. And other than that, you're in pretty good shape, but you still have to account for Embiid and Giannis if you're trying to make a run to the finals. So, uh, they definitely have a move to make. I just don't know what the move is. I, I think like the move that I think the big problem is that, and the more realistic move is because I think like a big man who you're going to come in to bring in to stop Embiid is going to cost you like a serious contract. There's no, there's not a lot of big like seven footer defensive guys out there who are making in the five million range. And so, it, assuming you're not going to make that big splash, I think the next move is trying to add something something to the bench right now because. Their bench has not really given them anything. Uh, they sent Carson Edwards uh, up to Maine recently to try to uh, kind of get him going. He hasn't done much. Uh, Brad Wanamaker has been very, very steady uh, and has been like a nice contributor. But, I mean, he's not amazing. And so other than that, there's not really been consistency uh, and there's not been much contribution in terms of scoring. So I think it's like that's the what you target if you're the Celtics is just like a bench three and D guy, but I don't know. I'm not a, a I'm not up on the waiver wire like that. Those know, guys, those guys just aren't out there. Everyone I mean, want needs a three and D yeah. guy. Like that's what the NBA is. <laughs> yeah. The NBA just, I mean, it's wing heavy, right? Um, you know, I was just looking at Bismack Biombo 
uh, trying to look at his contract. How much does he, he make? He makes like 17, 17 right? And he's he expiring. Was the, he was in the dumb year of, of like when the cap first spiked. Mozgov and yeah. Luol Deng, yeah. So Bismack Biombo might be a guy that could help this team out. He's an expiring contract. Um, Seventeen million is not awful, but you still are going to have to give up something that hurts. You'd have to, like, you'd have to give up Smart, like anything over six million. I think Smart is unfortunately the odd man out. If they're going to make a trade for that, right? But I, I just don't expect Danny Ainge to make a trade. I don't either. I think he could do it for some guy off the bench, but I just don't think there's like, I don't see the trade out there that like immediately because even like. Say you did get someone, I think it's a trade I've seen a bunch is like Steven Adams. Yeah. Does so adding Steve like that's he he can slow down Embiid. Uh but he's also Steven he Adams is not the Steven Adams of three years ago. Yeah. And this but it's like there's no guy you can add that will A slow down Embiid and then B also take you over the top. Like it's doesn't like I just don't see the move out there that's uh, will put them will take them from conference final contender to finals contender to like championship contender just by adding the big to get like hypothetically through Embiid. So I think it's like maybe the the, the people that Weird Celtics Twitter want to get is David Bertans. That's just because the Rifts man has been on David Bertans' uh, radar for a while. Or Davis. Davis, I'm sorry. Um, but like that's, that's the kind of deal uh, that's more realistic for the Celtics. Friends. Talking about erectile dysfunction is not easy. Usually we just brush it off or we blame ourselves saying things like, I don't have my mojo. I don't have it tonight. I, I, I just can't do it. Or we'll avoid it altogether saying I'm not ready. I'm not in the mood or just not feeling it tonight. Uh, there's just excuses galore. Uh, but with Roman, it's easy to talk about now. And you can speak with a real doctor who can prescribe you real medication. It's simple, safe, and it's totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find a treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, you can get it shipped to you for free within two days. The whole process is straightforward, simple, discreet. Just go to roman.com slash Celtics and complete an online visit. That's roman.com slash Celtics. And you can tackle any issues you have with erectile dysfunction. Just go to roman.com slash Celtics and get a free online visit, free two-day shipping, and roman.com slash Celtics to get started today. That's roman.com slash Celtics. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I still think Davis is going to take like a first-round pick. They got they know. got three of them. Yeah, but um, I'm of the I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that the Wizards are not actually going to move Davis, so I don't think that he's gettable. Uh, but a Davis Bertans type, which doesn't necessarily exist. Um, yeah, it's gonna take it's gonna take a good young player and a pick. I believe you know you're gonna have to you're gonna have to win that battle because he's just too useful to other teams. And again, he doesn't solve the problem because he's not gonna help you protect the rim. He's not beefy enough to guard Embiid. He's not mobile enough to guard Giannis. I guess he's probably mobile enough, but he's not thick enough to guard Giannis. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think that uh, Bismack Biombo is the solution. <laughs> I refuse to believe that. For the that first time solution, in history. He's never nope. been the solution and never will be the solution. The solution is to really like hope someone appears on the buyout market. And so you don't right. have to give up uh, any like serious contracts to get that person. Yeah. Like I'm just 
I saw uh, Tristan Thompson yelling Tristan at Thompson. John Beeline the other day, yeah. and I was like, oh, please have there be strife. Like, please yeah. uh, get bought out, because I think he'd be the ideal person where you could maintain kind of the, I think, the what I'm, I've been dubbing the Celtics death lineup of just like their five best guys. But situationally, playing against someone like with size, you could bring it like you could add that to the team instead of having to like break down the team to get that size. Yeah. No, I think uh, that that's the ideal scenario. Absolutely. Well, I think we've uh, we've pretty much solved the Celtics. Is, that's right. Uh, I mean, we solved the problem right there. We, all right. Danny Ainge, please listen in. Figure everything out. Um, I appreciate you coming on, Dave. I'm going to invite you to the portion of the show that I like to call uh, Jam's Junk Drawer, uh, which is where my random observations of things that have been happening in the basketball world or in the games that I've been watching uh, that I just want to talk about because I like to hear myself talk. Um, and I, I let you know about this before. And most times I just kind of spring this on Jay and he's just like fumbles through his own. Like, oh, oh, no. But uh, do you have any uh, uh, burning takes or things you want to get out there into the basketball world? Um, no, nothing. No, I, let me follow your lead. Just get okay. A, that's fair. That's you know, fair. Because I could. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I could complain about. Well, yeah. Well, complaining is fun. Hey, this is something I'm going to celebrate. Um. Uh-oh. So the Celtics, uh, big man Vincent Poirier. Uh, I immediately dubbed him when I heard that he uh was coming to the Celtics. I immediately just like, saw him wearing some Versace and started calling him Vinny Sex Pants. Um, and the names caught on like wildfire and we actually got to talk to him, uh, Jared Weiss and I in the locker room about the nickname and he was all for it. He said, we say sponsors. Um, but he actually just broke his, uh, finger and then posted on Instagram, Vinny sex finger as the caption. And, um, (laughs) that's like entirely a nickname that I came up with and it feels very, very weird, uh, to have some sort of influence like that, but it's just, it's been making my day. That's like, just for him to fully embrace the Vinny Sex Pants nickname, it takes a guy who gives off Vinny Sex Pants energy to kind of do something like that. So I saw that come across my phone this morning, and it was just, uh, oh, I've been smiling ear, ear to ear. I got to say, we got to get on the folks at basketballreference.com because that nickname is not, oh, it's on, not his on basketball there. reference page yet. So, you know, make sure we, we got to start hitting them with the at on, on Twitter. Oh, I'm sure we can do. I like, I, I like to start a movement. See the thing, the problem with me is that like, as soon as I give a nickname to someone, it's just like, that's how I think of that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've just been calling him Vinny, uh, Vinny sex for a while now. Le, Le Vincent day sex uh, a bunch of different things, but I just have this like weird block in my brain where it's the only thing that I can kind of, I can think of. Yeah. I, um, I'm not a big nickname guy. Why? Are, that's because you're not a you're not a fan of any specific team. You yeah, come from the coaching yeah. perspective. Yeah, I'm not a fan in general, right? Like, so I maybe that's why I don't know. I've just never been like a nickname guy. I call everybody buddy. That's my nickname. Buddy, pal. Yeah. Nope, buddy. Everybody's buddy. buddy. Yep. Let me ask yep. you this because I'm just wondering this right now. Um, what is your basketball history? I, I remember like listening to podcasts and you. All of a sudden, you were there one day talking about pods. And I was like, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. I, I like his opinion. Then uh, we met in Boston. But yeah, I f- believe you talk about like coaching in Europe and things like that. But I was just curious what your yeah. kind of what how'd you got into basketball and then parlayed that into being on the athletic. Uh, so it's an interesting story. I actually I don't know if I've ever told the whole thing. Um, Exclusively. 
Yeah. So I was working in South Korea. I was working as a teacher and they randomly needed a coach for the JV girls volleyball team. And I was like, I'll do that. It'll be fun. And I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and I was a basketball guy. So I, I started, uh, I, I rented some gym space and started training kids to try out for the basketball team. They already had basketball coaches for the JV and, and the, and the varsity team. And so I was just like, all right, well, I can work with these guys. We can do some skills, work, whatever, you know, help these guys make the team. Then I moved to Germany uh, where I got in touch with a guy who was like a lower division pro player and just talked to him, asked him if he was working with anybody. He wasn't. So I went to his gym and I trained him a little bit. And then I got to know the people around the team and convinced them to let me coach one of their bad teams. Oh, wow. <laughs> in like like one of their lower level teams, um, a job that I was in no way qualified for, but was overconfident, you know, as usual. Um, but I did well and I and I enjoyed it. I, you know, I took it seriously. So I, I really started like with the individual skills work and then turned myself into a coach just, you know, by studying and watching a lot of film and doing that kind of stuff. Just in the lower like German leagues? Yep. Yep, just in the in the lower division in Germany, in uh, in the club in Aachen, and then we moved back to the states, and I coached high school at a at a really bad charter school that um, had the girls team that I took over hadn't won a game in three years. Well, that's fun. Anything, yeah, anything, take it up anywhere but up. Yeah, we won three games the first year. You know, okay, that was that was a big deal. Progress. So. Yeah, so I coached high school for uh, for three years in Arizona, and now I'm not coaching because uh, I just do this full time. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of how I got here. Um, I did sports business classroom with Larry Kuhn as a student in the summer of 2016. And while I was there, a prominent NBA podcaster said to me, you know, you should uh, you should think about podcasting. I was like, you know what? You're right. And Why that, not? that's when I started. So that's how I wound up here. And I just, you know, it, it fits, right? Like talk a lot as a coach. You talk, I talk a lot just as a person and, uh, you know, this is all natural. That's so pretty that, cool. That's, it's plucked that's out the of Dave sport DeFore business class origin story. Yeah. And now I, you know, I like run the scouting video and analytics section of the sports business classroom. Oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So I work with Larry Kuhn really, really closely. So they do that, that, and then they all do like salary cap classes as well, I believe. Yep. Yeah. So you get, you get hands-on scouting. Wow. It's funny. It's kind of early, but we're going to, we're going to be opening up applications soon. So why not? Uh, <laughs> you, you get hands-on salary cap CBA experience with Larry Kuhn, Eric Pincus, uh, Nate Duncan always helps out. Um, you get hands-on scouting with NBA scouts. Like I'm not the one sitting there teaching how to scout. I just make the calls and get them in. So you actually sit with guys that are working for NBA teams or have worked for NBA teams. The best is when I can find guys that are between jobs because they can give me a lot of time. Uh, you're you're learning how to edit video, right? Like you're going to sit down with uh, with Synergy. You're going to sit down with you know video editor and and with a guy who's a video coordinator. That, that is so I, important. One and of my I best find, friends is a up and coming coach in the NBA, and just yeah. like as soon as he learned how to do video. It just like completely changed how he could like 
just present what he's yep. done and like shown his work and like his like this is what we've been working on. Here's how the yeah. players improved in that. It's crazy how like useful of a skill that is. Yeah, well, and the goal isn't necessarily that we're gonna like get you a job as a video coordinator, although we have done that um, and we have gotten people jobs in analytics departments and in legal department. I mean, we you know that's the number one thing is we're trying to we try to put you together with people that can help you if you actually want to work in the league. And you get hands-on, face-to-face time. We actually we do these little 15-minute sit-downs where it's you. It might be you and you know a, a GM for 15 minutes if that's who you wanted to talk to. And then you know you make actual like connections. Like it's it's more than just a networking thing where you might get a chance to talk to someone. You're actually going to sit and you're going to at least come away with one real connection. Although most people leave with more than that. Um, but it's a nice way to get a taste of what the jobs around the league really are. Um, and it's a lot of fun for me because, you know, I get to hang out with all my people. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, you're selling me on it right now. It sounds fantastic. Yeah, As well, a guy who's tangentially totally. around the NBA. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'll be perusing your, uh, materials <laughs> later this, uh, afternoon. Perusing your materials. Yes. Yes. I think that's the yes. perfect place to, uh, <laughs> to end it, uh, today. Uh, Dave Dufour from Nerder, she wrote from the Daily Ding, uh, I'm sure you do 17 other podcasts. I, yeah. Feel free to plug them now. Or not. Uh, the Let's Daily Ding. Uh, Nerder She Wrote. Basketball Buds, both on the back-to-back feed. Uh, I recently guest hosted on Hoops Adjacent with David Aldridge. Uh, I host from the Rose Garden. I'm a regular guest on the Fieldhouse Files. And I think that's it. All over the Athletic Network. Yes. Yeah. It, you, can't, you can't listen to a podcast on the Athletic without hearing me. You'll eventually run into your voice, and this was your turn to come on Anything is Potable, so we very much appreciate it. Yeah, well, this is awesome. I always love to uh, to talk to my guys in Boston. Well, appreciate it, Dave. Um, if you're a listener uh, and have enjoyed this podcast, enjoyed our other podcasts, please subscribe, rate us five stars. Uh, I've already given the plug for subscribing to The Athletic. You should know how to do that, but uh, all of these things matter for us. And thank you for listening. This has been another episode of Anything is potable!